nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Well, 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 welcome back to the Matter of a Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I have for you, all the way from India, holistic health and functional nutrition coach, Pratima. Oh, I got her name wrong. No, I didn't get your name wrong. Pratima Nagaraj. I tell you, sometimes I try to pronounce names other than English. It completely screwed me up. But yeah, <laughs> but um, we're going to have a fantastic discussion today. And uh, what Pratima does is that she helps women heal their bodies naturally using food as medicine. So the hack of the episode is going to be tips to lower insulin resistance. And you know my story. I've been listening for a while. I, I, I 100% believe this, that most people who are overweight are insulin resistant. Just by understanding how the human body works and insulin being a storage hormone, it's almost impossible to be overweight and not be insulin resistant. So you really want to listen to this episode. And with that being said, Pratima, tell my audience about yourself. Hey, Narado. First of all, thank you for having me here. I am super excited. <laughs> and thank you for a warm welcome. Um, so um, I think you already introduced me. I am a holistic health and functional nutrition coach. So I use the concepts of functional medicine and uh, use real food and lifestyle changes to help women um, heal any chronic issues. Um, specifically, I work with um, thyroid, uh, hormone imbalances, gut health, and um, any metabolic dysfunction, which includes insulin resistance, diabetes, weight loss, PCOS, and so on. So that's uh, kind of my forte. And um, I also work extensively with uh, autoimmune Hashimoto's. Um, I guess we'll get to it uh, soon because I struggled with it and I was able to um, successfully bring that into remission. So um, that's what I do. And I am basically from India and I am currently based in Singapore. Um, and I love living in the tropics for now and looking forward to going back to India one day again. And if my audience doesn't know, because I don't talk about this a lot, um, I definitely I have Indian blood. We were talking about this before the uh, before the episode, right? right. Uh, from my grandmother's side, it's like Indian I would have never guessed that. <laughs> I am. So I also have other things mixed in me. Um, it's a, it's a whole long story. I'm basically I don't know if triracial is a word, but that's pretty much what I am. <laughs> so yeah, but, you you have an interesting background. Yeah, interesting is the is the um I guess that's the that's the word the word of the day. I guess I should say it. But um, but I wanna I wasn't planning on talking about Hashimoto's. Okay, you know sometimes I fly by the seat of my pants here. So let's talk about it a little bit because if you experience Hashimoto's and now it's in remission, what was that um experience like for you? Um. So first of all, I. I think, you know, it went undiagnosed for many years. I, I still remember looking at my thyroid reports like a decade back and um, it wasn't really normal, but um, all the doctors I saw told me that it was okay and I didn't need to do anything about it. Even though, for example, my TSH was like 7.8. And I was told by doctors that's told that's okay because my T3, T4 were in range. And of course, right, when somebody doesn't have much of a knowledge, you tend to believe it. And uh, I guess that was one of the reasons why it just be, it just kind of got worse over the years because it wasn't caught in the early stages. And 
it's only when I consulted a functional medicine practitioner years later for some other reason, uh, he told me to run these full panel thyroid tests. We tested the antibodies and then found out that I have Hashimoto's. Um, and that's when my healing journey started. And we start, uh, you know, we did everything possible to change my diet and figure out what were my triggers, etc. And I also struggled with uh, endometriosis, which is another <laughs> deadly condition uh, for women. So I went through a lot of uh, pain, menstrual issues, and uh, all the symptoms associated with our Hashimoto's, like fatigue and um, you know inflammation uh, mainly, and low energy and so on. So it, it wasn't a pleasant experience, and it was also not like it was uh, you know it was affecting me. Uh, in terms of like work or not letting me live my life on a daily basis. But I guess it was really, I was not being myself truly. I, I, I could have done so much better, but with lack of energy and all these symptoms, I guess uh, it was kind of holding me back. But uh, changing my diet, healing my gut, I think that was like the major thing in uh, bringing it into remission. So um along with detoxing my body. So some of the root causes were my gut health, inflammation and toxins. And changing that, uh, I was able to bring it into remission in about five years. That's a long time though. Right. And you know, that's that's a fantastic story really, because I, and it really comes down to healing your gut right which, which is really insane a lot of people don't realize right that's where most of the immune system resides which is where immune system is basically our guard system that's supposed to protect us right and yeah. then we when it comes to any kind of chronic disease we always hear the we hear the same things basically all the time chronic inflammation gut issues oxidative stress so on and so forth right we hear those things like consistently that's really what it comes down to epigenetics you know, making lifestyle changes to heal your gut. My asthma, my asthma has been in remission, remission for, I almost say remission. <laughs> it's been in remission for two, over three years now when I basically told my doctor, it's like, I can't keep taking all these pills. And, you know, now I don't have any flare ups, I don't have an issue. My eczema is completely gone. Um, my, um, I don't even get allergies anymore because the allergies was triggering my asthma. So by making lifestyle changes, which is what drove me or to start this show, because I was like, I, without, with the knowledge that I have and the people that have my network, I have to bring this information to the public because this, in the, in common society, even not just in America, but basically all over the world, a lot of this stuff is just not taught. It's about give you a pill and send you on with your life. One of my clients, we had a discussion the other day, he did up his, um, his blood work and everything looked great. Like his, he was so shocked. He's lost like 40 pounds now and his blood work looks amazing except for his thyroid. And we were, I looked at it and he's had an arrhythmia for all his life. And his arrhythmia has gotten better since he's lost weight. And his cardiologist said, you need to lose weight. But then it got me thinking when I saw how high his, uh, TS, his um, TSH was, I looked at him and said, have your doctor talked to you about the connection with arrhythmias? And your hor- and your thyroid hormone. He's like, no. So then I reached out to one of the brilliant doctors in my network, Carolyn Stone, who's been on the show, is going to be on the show in the future. And she was she broke down a lot of these connections that people are over miss because if you if you have um um hypothyroidism, for example, and it goes undiagnosed for a long period of time, it can lead to arrhythmias. Now I'm not saying that's exactly what happened with him, but he's had arrhythmia all his life, and he said this his thyroid has been like that all his life. And I said, you've been going to this cardiologist for 20 years. And you tell me not one time, no one said, Hey, let us, let's, let's just check, check it out. <laughs> right. Let's just check it out to see if there's a connection there. It might, might, it may not be the issue. Can, but can we at least look at it? And he, he was like, he said, yeah, you, I'm going to talk to my doctor again, because I feel like the, he said to me, there has to be something going on there that they're just missing because all they've been doing is basically putting me on medicine this whole time. 
Yeah, and, and I'm not surprised if it's the same all over the world. I've had clients worldwide and they just tell me that the way conventional medicine treats anything is to go with pills and medications and it's just a band-aid over the symptoms. And that's that's exactly what I guess is taught in conventional medicine in most cases. Right. And we're not saying, and I have to make sure I have to clarify this, that we're not saying pills and medicine is bad but they're more for emergency uses. You don't, the goal should never be to take a medication for the rest of your life. Like that's, which animal you know that really does that? Like it's, we're not designed like that. Our bodies are designed to heal and protect us. Our brain, our immune system, our gut is all designed to heal and protect us if we give it what it needs, which AKA is called nutrients. People look it up, it's called nutrients. But with that being said, let's drive into your focus on holistic medicine. Is it what really led you into this focus? So, um, like I was saying, it was my own personal journey. I struggled with so many issues. And um, so the three major ones was the Hashimoto's endometriosis. And I had uh, a lot of associated gut issues, something what uh, called a SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And uh, all of these three combined together was a pretty complex uh, state, I would say. And um, though it took a lot of years to diagnose these, um, I think I was kind of dealing with these undiagnosed for quite a few years before that and was always in search of answers and was trying to kind of... Um, you know, see specialists and get some solution, but it was not leading me anywhere. And it's only when I came across functional medicine and I started doing my own research and um, I consulted some health coaches and uh, functional medicine practitioners. And then that didn't really solve everything either. Like um, it, they did give me a direction, but nobody was able to really connect all the three and you know, help me completely. So it finally, it was my own research that kind of led me into the holistic field. I did use some concepts of uh, Ayurveda, natural herbs, and, you know, everything combined, because I believe that um, you can literally change anything in your body using food and um all the free stuff that is available outside, like sunshine and nature and, uh, you know, whatnot. So they're like the natural doctors out there. And that's always been my strong belief. I don't know how, but ever since I was a kid, I was really not up for taking a lot of medications I, or going for surgeries, even for endometriosis. I never went for the laparoscopy or surgery because that's the uh, main treatment suggested for endometriosis. And I just don't want to cut open my body before I explore all other options. <laughs> so that just, you know, uh, it's, it's always in me that strong belief that I have to look for some natural remedies. And that's why I got into holistic medicine. And um, I try to bring in changes in every aspect uh, through lifestyle and diet um, to look at anything possible. And I'm not against medications. I have taken thyroid medications to control my symptoms while I was healing my body. Um, so it's not about uh, going against medications, but you should always, I believe that you should always look at the root cause, like always ask why is something there in your body? Why are the symptoms coming in the first place? And um, start treating the root cause uh, while you manage the symptoms with medications. Yep, um, I, I had Dr. Rishi Sean Paul on the show. We I call him Sean Paul, Rishi uh, Rishi Sean Paul. But uh, you mentioned about that. The actual title of that episode is uh, "Root Cause." Um, root causes with Dr. Rishi Sean Paul, and we talked about that. I have one of my best friends always says, "You're on medication, okay? That's that's good." But what's your plan to get off it? And that's what he always asks people. What's your plan to get off it? Because you're 100% correct. And thank you for sharing that. And I think the experience really makes that huge. People to understand that you can take control of your life. You can put your health in your own hands. I don't remember who I had on the show that said, we are the CEO of our own bodies. 
So why are we letting other people dictate what we should do with our bodies? Because this is all that they, yes, they're expert. And, and again, with doctors, I have the doctors in my family. They they go through hell to get through medical school. I mean, it's ter- it's a lot what they go through. I'm not going to use the word terrible, but it's a lot what they go through, right? So, you know, and they, they it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And I don't think doctors are out there to try to hurt hurt or damage you, especially at least most of them, right? But this is what they learn, and you can't really knock someone for what they're trained. But it's up to you to decide, okay, maybe I need to take that next step and see if this it hasn't been working for 5, 10 years or however how long. Maybe I need to look at the natural approach. And it's not just nutrition. And that's something I've had to hammer to my clients because they're like, the nutrition is working. But I said, that that's just a piece of the puzzle. I'm talking about getting quality sleep. I'm talking about getting sunshine. I'm talking about grounding in um, um, exposing yourself to a red light therapy, you know, near infrared light or the light from the rising or the setting sun eating in a parasympathetic state. Like I play my guitar when I'm eating, even when I'm getting ready for this interview, I, I, strum, I was strumming and singing and getting ready for the interview. And those things are all important parts of my health, using natural products, not exposing yourself to toxins or limiting exposure to toxins, because in this day and age, it's almost impossible. I, I see people sometimes go outside for sun and they go outside for like 15 minutes a day, right? And when they go outside, they have on long sleeve, even in Florida, and they have on long sleeve and they have on their dark glasses. I'm like, are you a vampire? Like, why are you doing this? Right? There's so many benefits of getting sunlight, when you, especially when your eyes are exposed to it. And we wonder why we have these hormonal shifts and and sleep quality sucks and you know and even your mood and everything else by not even exposing ourselves and doing just basic things that can transform your life. Absolutely, and I couldn't agree more. You said it. I mean, I think you've described it really well. And everything that you mentioned is something that I have tried in my own healing journey, and I think they've all helped in their own ways. And I really owe a lot to the infrared saunas and the red light therapy, especially for uh, bringing my Hashimoto's into remission, because I had done, there was a point where I had done everything, uh, all possible changes with my diet and sleep and lifestyle and everything. And I was still not seeing um, the reduction in my antibodies. Yes, they had reduced by almost like 70 to 80%, but it was still in the hundreds um, and I was not able to bring it down. But I started the infrared sauna and detoxing my body and that I saw the antibodies drop like within a month or two. And I was amazed and I was shocked that how come I did not realize that toxin overload was a possible symptom because from what I know, what I'm aware of, I was not really exposed to, you know, any kind of major toxins in my awareness, but then we failed to realize that we could be ingesting toxins through all the products we use on a day-to-day basis and even through food and, you know, there are all the pesticides and glyphosate and whatnot. So detoxing in this current world in this reality that we are in is almost like non-negotiable it, it's so important and we need to focus on that on a day-to-day basis and I'm not just saying like do a juice cleanse or you know just a regular a charcoal cleanse or something yes that can help but that that kind of detox is limited to what's in your gut because that's not going to go and remove the toxins from underneath your skin in, in the subcutaneous level. So you need a detox that can bring out the uh, heavy metals and the toxins that are deep into your cellular uh, structure. And I think that's where the sauna and the red light therapy is a must. Wow, that was we weren't even planning to talk about that. See, this is why I, I, I love this show and I love having experts like you. We weren't even planning to talk about red light, but you're so on point. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your expertise with us. And with, talk about this, with that, we're talking about autoimmune diseases, right? So we've hit on a lot of the topics already, but do you have, what, what more do you have to add as far as why are autoimmune diseases on the rise? I think it's it's all the foundational elements, like we already talked about the diet, like, you know, the diet these days is completely inflammatory and, you know, it's filled with processed, processed foods and inflammatory foods. So 
uh, eating that on a daily basis is one of the big factors that affects your gut health. And as you said, gut health is the seat of the immune system. Almost 80% of the immune system lies in the gut. So if you're feeding crap to your gut on a daily basis, it leads to conditions like leaky gut and you know food sensitivities and so on. Uh, which increases inflammation in the body and um, it kind of sends your immune system on overdrive and makes it hypersensitive. So it probably, you know, starts attacking uh, it, your immune system can't really differentiate between a friend and a foe and it eventually starts attacking your own body. And along with that, of course, you know, stressful and sedentary lifestyles, I guess, you know, with more gadgets and technology that's come in, we have become more and more sedentary. And uh, it's not, I, I, I do see people who say, oh, I exercise every day, I spend 30 minutes in the gym or an hour in the gym before I go to work. But then what I ask my clients is, um, what do you do rest of the day after you spend your day in the gym? They're like sitting at their desk all day, right? So that's sedentary. So even though you think you're active by exercising in the morning, um, what you do rest of the day is important. What we call is the NEAT score, you know, the non-exercise activity thermogenesis, being active all day. So these things, these basic things really uh, influence the overall health of your immune system, of your body. Along with that, your sleep, how much sun, uh, sunshine you get, and um, how much time you actually spend in nature with, uh, you know, grounding yourself with the earth, uh, how much toxins you're ingesting on a daily basis, and are you actually detoxing? Because you, as you said, you can't really avoid toxins completely. So you have to have a way to detox them. And of course, not to forget medications. We are prescribed medications like antibiotics and NSAIDs so frequently and they damage our gut and they kind of contribute to inflammation. So in my opinion, from my experience, I think it's never really one aspect that contributes to an autoimmune disease. It's a combination of all of these factors over a long period of time that kind of confuses your body and sends it on an overdrive. So Autoimmune diseases don't develop overnight. It takes years for it to set in. And I think you can really catch it at an early stage if you're really aware of these things. I'm glad that now there are so many like people talking about functional medicine and root causes and all of these things. Like we have podcasts like yours that are so resourceful and actually building that awareness. But 10 years back when I was trying to heal my body, I didn't have any of this resource available. So uh, it was way more difficult then, but I'm glad that there's more awareness now and people actually can become an advocate of their own health by reading and researching. Yes, that's true. And you just said basically some nuggets right there that people really need to pay attention to. Walking is one of those things that, actually, let me back up. So you just said something that's really near and dear to my heart. If you work out for an hour a day, what do you do for the rest of the day? I've always asked people that. My my man, uh, Sean Stevenson, right? One of the first podcasters I listened to, love his show. I mean, he he um he had a, a bone disease that five doctors told him, no, you you're, you're never going to be healed. You have the bone density of like an eighty year old. And then he went to school. He he realized that his bones are literally made up of food he ate. And he changed his life and no no longer has that issue anymore. Now, you can listen to his podcast. It's one of the most successful podcasts in the world. Um, it's called the, um, the uh, actually, what's it called? The, the Model Health Show. Sorry, I had a blank there. The Model Health Show. Fantastic guy. I, I'll promote him every day, all day long, because he, listening to him, really drove me into making my own life change, along with Ben Greenfield and other, other wonderful people like Dr. Stephen Gundry. But so that he, but he always asks, if you work out for an hour a day, what do you do the rest of the day? Because that rest of the day is over ninety percent of your day. So do you think that one that ten percent that you spend in the gym is more important than the ninety percent outside of the gym? Just by thinking about that simple math alone, it just doesn't work. And so people start to realize that yeah, you need to start working on your sleep, going for walks, eating right. 
um, eating in the right state, you know, con- controlling, not just again, not just what you eat, but how you eat and have, having the right energy around you and, you know, grounding all things that we talk about, which has a bigger impact than the time you spend in the gym. Now I'm a trainer. I'm not going to say don't go to the gym. Right. But that's a very limited, unless you're going to work out 24 hours a day, which has its own problems in itself. Not even crazy man like myself would do that. But yeah, so you said that. That's that's absolutely fantastic. And I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with you. And then with the immune system, I'm not going to hash over that too much, but we know the importance of the immune system. Eventually, it just starts firing against itself, which leads to autoimmune diseases. The walking, I, I tell people all the time. So my personal experience with walking is this. First of all, I always say that a body in motion stays in motion. We've heard that all the time. A metabolism in motion stays in motion, meaning that if you are constantly moving, no mean you have to walk around all the time, but move. You get up every 45 minutes, 45 to 50 minutes and constantly move. That trains your body to burn more fat. People don't realize that, right? Because you're walking is a zone one to zone two, the kind of low cholesterol, um, um, cortisol, a low cortisol type of training which trains your body to which trains your body to burn fat fat oxidation so and oftentimes depending on based, based on how you eat you'll burn its own body fat right you burn your own body fat so that's very important now every company i've ever worked for and i've only worked for a few once i graduated college a few companies right i've always been one of the top producers anything that i do i've always been one of the top producers but i've also been always been one of the people who walk around the most and people outside of my company, well, I'm sorry, outside of my team, whatever team I'm on, they always say, does this guy ever get any work done? And I would look at them and say, look at my numbers and look at my work, right? Because every 45 to 50 minutes, I get up for five minutes and I'll go, I may have a short conversation. I might get some water. Most of the time I got to pee anyway, because I'm always drinking water, but I get up for every for five minutes, maybe 10 minutes if somebody stops me or whatever. And I go back to work because... At the when you're working on something and you're just constantly, and I learned this in college, and you're constantly focused on it, looking at it. At some point, your brain's it's, it's like you start to get diminishing returns on it because your brain is not designed to sit there and focus on one thing for hours at a time. Try it, right? There may be some genius out there that can probably do it that's way above me, but I'm talking about the normal people, which I don't know if I'm even normal too, but. I'm talking about the normal people, right? We need every 45 minutes or so, just get up for a while, go for go for a pee. You get your steps in. You might be able to get a little bit of sunshine, promote fat oxidation. Your energy levels may feel better and your mind may even be sharper just by implementing that one little thing into your life. So you just said, again, some fantastic things. And now we're going to talk about gut health because you just, you just hit on it and you talk about gut health. So connect that to body weight for me. Well, uh, I I mean, it, it's like such a big topic. I think I can talk for hours about it, but let's try to keep it simple. Um, you know, so basically the composition of um, the gut bacteria can actually, you know, cause resistance to weight loss. So uh, there are studies that indicate that your gut microbiome, the variety of the microbiome can be, Uh, different in people who are obese versus non-obese people. So uh, the microbiome actually doesn't just help in um, digesting food and absorbing nutrients from food, but they also play a key role in our metabolism, which of course we know that directly impacts uh, weight loss. And when you have uh, an unhealthy gut, you, your gut is, uh, you know, overpowered with the bad gut bacteria, they can directly contribute to uh, metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance um, by increasing the production of insulin and causing inflammation. And our gut also, uh, you know, um, kind of influences the production of other hormones like leptin and something called as peptide YY and so on, which um, can signal, um, you know, how full you are and how hungry you are. So there are signals being sent to the brain. And when you don't have a healthy gut, these signals are kind of messed up. So uh, your brain may not get the signal that you're full um, and you may continue eating and you end up overeating almost in every meal because that gut brain connection is not 
optimal, right? So uh, that can again lead to uh, excessive eating and obesity in addition to uh, metabolic syndrome. So um, the maintaining the gut microbiome diversity is extremely important and uh, which is one of the reasons I always tell my clients to eat a variety of foods and uh, you know I don't heavily focus on restrictions because the variety is the key for uh, weight loss and metabolic health and of course you know the immune system and all other functions. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is, which was something I discovered when I was healing my gut, was that your gut bacteria actually influences your food taste and cravings. And I used to like and crave for certain kinds of foods before I healed my gut. And as my gut began to heal, I noticed a change in my taste and what kinds of food I actually started liking and not. So I, that was a very surprising thing for me because uh, <clears throat> what we call as the bad gut bacteria, they love to feed on sugar and starches and processed foods. So, uh, a lot of my clients say, oh, I've tried, uh, you know, being strong-willed and it's, uh, I think I have a weak willpower, so I can't get over my cravings. But what they don't understand is that your cravings are not about your willpower. It's defined more by your gut bacteria. So um, it's very important to work on your gut health if you want to actually uh, get over your food craving, sugar, salt, whatever, and uh, be able to eat based on uh, what your body truly needs and listen to your body. So um, an unhealthy gut can influence your weight in different ways. And of course, if you have food sensitivities, that's another topic. Um, you know, if you have, if you're intolerant to say, for example, gluten or dairy or soy, and people can have uh, sensitivities to different foods. So if you continue eating these foods on a daily basis, it can damage the gut lining and you can have particles of undigested food leaking out of the lining into the bloodstream which can trigger inflammation and which is what we call as leaky gut. And uh, when your body is inflamed, it goes into survival mode, what we call as fight or flight response. And we all know that when you are in a fight or flight response, body's uh, uh, priority is to survive and it wants to hold on to the fat when it's in a survival mode. So it doesn't want to let go of the fat. So you cannot expect to lose weight if you're under a fight or flight response. Definitely. So healing the gut is, I think, one of the first steps towards healing your body. So for me, that's like the foundation. No matter uh, what condition we are trying to heal, I always start with healing the gut. So when people come to me uh, for weight loss and I tell them that we need to first focus on your gut health and they will notice that almost 80% of their symptoms are gone and then uh, losing that excess fat becomes easier once you fix your gut. Definitely. And you said something that triggered me. I think that seems to be your, um, your habit in this episode. Everything you say, I'm like, oh, light bulb just went up. I sat one of my friends that's overweight and because she said that she has a willpower issue. She always says to me, I try to avoid carbs, but it doesn't work. And I have a willpower issue. And then she would try these diets. Like she even tried keto and then it works a little while, then it stopped. And then she'll try, you know, OMAD and work for a little while and then stop. And it just keep going around and around. And I said to her, I said, exactly what you said. You don't have a willpower issue. You have a gut issue. Right. And she said, what do you mean? I'm like, you, your, your issue, the issue is that you have bad gut bacteria that's constantly telling you, feed me, feed me, feed me. What do they want? Added sugars, processed foods, stuff that we're not supposed to have. Now, if you have more good gut bacteria, then you'll crave insane in the, in the conversation of starches, resistant starches, right? So good, healthy stuff, um, fiber, 
oligosaccharides, very important to have into your diet. Like those are things that good bacteria craves. So for me, I love have I have, I have planned foods with every meal, every meal, right? Different colors, eating the rainbow. I do all that stuff, even though I'm an omnivore and I have a high protein diet, but I make sure that I have plant foods with every single meal. My preparation is different to kill the lectin content and to heal my gut or keep my gut healthy, so on and so forth. But what I really want to summarize there is if you have a healthy gut, it makes everything else better. And I like the fact that you added on the whole fight or flight thing because I wasn't even thinking about that before I was going to respond. So that's absolutely fantastic. And that's going to bring us now into insulin resistance, right? So what are some signs of insulin resistance? Actually, before I even say that, what is insulin resistance so people are aware and what are some signs of it? So insulin resistance is where uh, your cells are kind of uh, resistant to the response of insulin in the body. So what happens is in your pancreas produce insulin, uh, which acts as a signal for our cells to open their doors and to uh, absorb the glucose from the bloodstream and use it for energy. And um, because of an unhealthy diet, like eating mainly carbs and not eating any proteins or fats and having a processed, you know, junk food kind of a diet over many um, months or years, uh, your body is overloaded with just glucose more than what your cells can actually use. So they are saturated because you're leading a sedentary lifestyle. You're not burning the glucose that you're actually eating. And then you're overloading with more glucose with every meal. So the cells are saturated. They have no space to take in more uh, glucose. And what happens then, you're still pumping your body with more and more carbs and sugar, and your blood is getting saturated with glucose. So your body has to raise insulin levels kind of to turn the volume up so that your cells can open their doors and take the glucose in. And this continues. And finally, you reach a stage where the kind of this lock and key mechanism, that's what I look at it as insulin is like a key. And then you're, that opens the lock of the doors of the cells. And this lock and key mechanism kind of breaks and then the lock is damaged and the cells don't open their doors anymore. So it's shut. So where does all the extra glucose go? It has to be either stored as glycogen in the liver or the remaining is converted into fat and the fat is stored. And that's how you kind of start putting on excess fat, body fat and weight. And that is why people with insulin resistance have a lot of abdominal fat because that's where uh, the excess fat gets stored around the abdominal organs and in that midsection. And that to me is a classic indicator of insulin resistance. Um, you can you probably notice sometimes people who are skinny, who are lean, they have abdominal fat and people who may be obese, of course, there is body fat are distributed all over the body. But abdominal fat is one of the indicators and of course, uh, the other uh, indicator is weight loss resistance. So you probably are like trying everything possible to lose weight and you lose a kilo or two and then you hit a plateau. So that's another indicator of uh, insulin uh, resistance. Mm -hmm. And how do you actually know if you're resistant or not? You can run tests. And I think um, it's very important to test uh, fasting insulin. Um, that's one of the blood tests. I don't see a lot of doctors running. They all focus on just glucose, you know, blood sugar, and nobody runs uh, fasting insulin tests. And I think if you do that, you can catch insulin resistance in its very early stages. And that's mm -hmm. another thing um, that was missed in my diagnosis as well. My insulin le levels were almost at eight or nine. and I was not even tested for it. So it's important to run the right kind of tests uh, when you see these signs, um, even signs like fatigue, a uh, lot of cravings um, and uh, lack of energy and having energy slumps. 
um, if you're if you eat a heavy meal and within two hours you're hungry and then you see a crash in your energy, these are uh, classic signs of insulin resistance. And some people also, you know, see darkening of the skin on their neck um, at different stages of insulin resistance. And then there are not so direct symptoms like PCOS, diabetes, and inflammatory uh, diseases. So you have some direct obvious symptoms and then you have these conditions which have insulin resistance as one of the major root causes like PCOS. Definitely. That's a very thorough, um, thorough um, explanation. So thank you so much for that. I love the lock and key mechanism. I have a different metaphor, but I'm not even going to go ahead and dive into that. But I love the lock and key. That's uh, that's pretty uh, awesome. I would love not... to know how. what, what is that? So like if you can say it briefly. <laughs> yeah, just make it short. So uh, there's a cartoon that I watch called Family Guy. I don't know if you're familiar with Family Guy, right? And there's an episode when Stewie is yelling at um Lewis because he he wants a lot of love and he's like yelling to Lewis. He's like, "Mama, Mama, Mama!" And then she just like stop listening to him because he just keeps yelling, right? And I I that's how I look at insulin resistance. It's like at a certain point, your your pancreas like has creating all this insulin and and use insulin is that you know Mama is like screaming at your body to eventually become like resistant to it. Like you hear it all oh, the time. I love that. Kind of tune I it out a little that. bit. Um, but you know, different ways, but we're both basically saying the same thing. Absolutely. I love that metaphor. <laughs> There's always something new to learn. <laughs> I I just have a really strange brain, so I look at things a little differently. But um, but you 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 hit on some good stuff. I, I do want to elaborate on the visceral fat issue because that's something that if you have belly fat, right? You could eat now we have people like 30, because back in the day, you may start getting belly fat maybe 40 and 50 or so. But in today's day and age, you can be 20. Um, there are a lot of people at 20 years old that's running around with belly fat and just think it's okay. But that's a tell sign that you're insulin resistant. And that's why, again, what you just explained, I believe that most people overweight are insulin resistant. You may even be pre-diabetic and you don't even know because you don't really know until you're diabetic. And the doctor says, oh, now we got to put you on medicine and all that stuff. I wore a CGM for two weeks from Nutrisense. And they wanted to just see how my blood sugar works. And I also do a fast every week. I fast every day intermittently, but every week I do a Wednesday to Thursday, like 24 hour dinner to dinner fast. And even when I wasn't eating, my blood sugar did the exact same thing. And I, after I interviewed Carly Davis is one of the top, actually their top um, nutri um, nutritionist. And she said she looked over my numbers and how my body works was so amazing. And I'm saying that because I've optimized my health. So even when I'm not eating, my body is able to provide the sugar or the glucose that it needs for energy, which is how our body is supposed to operate. That's why I don't get hangry. I, if I, I can go to the grocery store, haven't eaten and still be fine. Yesterday, which rarely happens, I was extremely busy and I didn't get to eat until two o'clock. And I was still fine. My friend who didn't eat until two o'clock was upset and yelling. And I was thinking, just, just calm down. Like, we're going to get there, right? But I was just completely fine. And she was like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, because my body is optimized. Again, that's why it's important to take care of your health. And so if being insulin resistant is not a joke, because then that leads to a lot of lifestyle issues in the future. Or it's a lifestyle issue, yeah, issues, so like health issues in the future, right? So thank yeah. you so much for breaking that down. And with that being said, this is the perfect time to stop and talk about Lumen. My followers, my listeners, subscribers have heard about it a lot, but I really want to hammer that down. Lumen is the first and I think still the only breathalyzer on the market that when you breathe into it, it tells you if you're primarily burning fats for energy or carbs, because the goal is to burn fat when you're resting or zone one, zone two training that we talk about walking and burn carbs when you're in that zone three, zone four, higher zone training. However, what we are realizing, and there are many studies on this, that most people are overweight, burn carbs, even when they're sleeping and doing those basic things like zone one, zone two, they can still burn carbs and they don't burn fat very well. So when you blow into lumen, when you do your test in the morning and evening, so on and so forth, it tells you what your metabolism is, is doing, and then their nutritionist will give you guidelines to train your metabolism to know how to break down fats and carbs. And they alternate it. 
So every day, your nutrition is going to look a little different based on what your body is doing. Now, sometimes it takes weeks, sometimes it takes months. Like I've had people from keto come over to Lumen and say, I'm, I'm burning fat very well, but now I can't burn carbs because sometimes that happens. Why? Because you've been on keto for too long and you never rotated carbs back into your cycle. Now, I'm not knocking keto because I'm primarily a keto athlete. But I do also do a rotation with my carbs to make sure I have that mechanism. Now, to quickly explain what happens, our body uses uh, enzymes like amylase, protease, and lipase to break down fat, carbs, and protein. Whenever you completely take one or two, well, it's hard to do two, but one macro, let's say carbs out of your diet for a long time, then your body says, okay, you're not going to feed me carbs. I don't need to have the mechanism to break down carbs. And it will downregulate amylase, for example. So over time, you can't break down. You can't break down carbs very well. So when the nutritionists from Lumen give you those recommendations, your body starts recreating the enzymes it needs to naturally, so you can break down fast proteins and carbs as well. Because what you don't break down very well, your body is going to store, especially with like carbs, because it will store it in your liver. You can store it in your muscles, which, by the way, that's another important key because you can store four times in your muscles than your liver. That's why we need to strength train, but. For most of us, it's already above that limit. So then it stores as fat, which is what we're trying to avoid. And if you can't break down fat very well, fat oxidation, then you just keep gaining weight. So with all that being said, check out Lumen, everyone. It's a fantastic product. The website is uh, lumen.me. I'll make sure to put it in the um, in the show notes and in the description of this episode. And of course, I always have a gift for you, right? Because I've been working with them for so long. My code Zico Health gets you $50 off, not 10%, not 20%, but $50 off their services. So check it out and use it. It can really change your life. With that being said, let's switch back to insulin resistance. So Pratima, please leave us some tips to lower insulin resistance. And of course, this is general, everyone. Everybody know this is general. Don't make any changes without speaking to your medical or dietary professional, but these are some general tips that can be beneficial for you. I just wanted to add to that, um, you know, what you were sharing about Lumen. I love Lumen and I love CGMs. I've used them a lot in, you know, personally, and I recommend to my clients. So um, just wanted to say they are wonderful devices to use on your healing journey. Awesome. I didn't know that. That's, that's yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they give you amazing information uh, if you know how to interpret it and actually use it to optimize your diet. And then it's what's great cool if about somebody's it? Somebody struggling with insulin resistance. Definitely, and um, the only time I don't recommend to, if you're type two diabetic, I'm a little hesitant with that because at that point you really need to probably be wearing a CGM and work with your doctor. But if you're insulin resistant, yeah. then Lumen can definitely be beneficial. And what's really cool is once you purchase the product, you're in their Lumen group. And they have, I think right now, 32,000 people and about five group experts, which surprise, surprise, I'm one of the experts. And when so people have questions about fitness, health, all this stuff. And, you know, one of the experts will go in or one of the admins from Lumen and we will answer their questions just to help you on little things that you didn't even know um, that can help you on your journey as well. Right. So it's a fantastic community as well. So interesting. I'm sure so some of your clients is in the group and probably know about me, but. Yeah, absolutely. So coming to your question about insulin resistance, um, of course, like there could be so many root causes like, you know, what we were discussing, but um, that depends on the person. But the most generic ones would be to start with changing your diet. So uh, reducing the amount of sugar and starchy carbs and replacing it with um, complex carbohydrates and lots of vegetables. Uh, for fiber, that makes a huge difference in stabilizing your blood glucose. And along with that, adding protein and healthy fats, because fats are not the enemy, and you need those to balance out the blood sugar. So uh, that's always my starting point. And check for food sensitivities because you know we discussed so much about gut health affecting your weight loss and your blood sugar balance uh without really focusing on your gut and finding out what foods are triggering your gut issues it 
becomes a little difficult to reverse insulin resistance. And uh, we know that some of the common intolerant foods uh, are gluten and dairy and soy, uh, but there could be other things that are considered healthy, but your body could be sensitive to. And I discovered a lot of vegetables that I was sensitive to, which I was eating thinking they're healthy. So it's always important to consult someone who is experienced and who can guide you in finding your food sensitivities, which can be really helpful. Now that's the diet part of it. And the bigger part is the lifestyle, right? So that has a major impact on your insulin levels and blood sugar. The first thing would be sleep. Sleep really influences your blood sugar. I'm sure anybody who is listening to this can relate to it that if you pull an all-nighter or you don't sleep, you know, beyond midnight, you want to eat some snacks. You feel like eating and you want to feed your brain because your brain needs glucose to stay awake. And one night of lack of sleep can impact your blood sugar levels for the rest of the week. So if you actually wear a CGM, you can see that impact when you're monitoring that how the nights you don't sleep well, your blood sugar goes on a roller coaster the next couple of days. So always focus on getting good quality sleep, not just sleeping for seven to nine hours and uh, you know, waking up feeling tired, like you've run a marathon. I'm talking about like full deep sleep where you wake up feeling energized. So that's really important. And the next aspect would be reducing stress. Stress, we know, is a major root cause in almost all chronic conditions, whether it's autoimmune or hormone imbalance or insulin resistance. Stress is a common factor. So there is really no way about it, no two ways about it, but to actually, you know, do something to uh, work on everything that's causing stress in your life, whether it's relationships, your work, whatever it is, you have to, you know, find a way through it. And the third aspect of the lifestyle would be exercise, which we talked about extensively about, you know, not just spending time in the gym for 30 minutes in a day, but uh, working on your needs score, which is what activity you perform through the day to stay active. And it could just be walking around in your living room. It could just be, you know, doing the regular chores, you know, um, washing dishes or uh, cleaning your house or even gardening and anything that can actually move your muscles and stay active. That has a bigger impact than going to the gym and running on the treadmill for 30 minutes like a maniac, like, you know, doing a high intensity cardio session. In fact, when I work with clients who are pre-diabetic and who struggle with insulin resistance, for the first four weeks, I tell them the only activity I want you to do is just your regular household chores and walking. Walk, walk whenever you can through the day. Try to hit at least eight to 10 K steps a day and improve your need score. And they actually lose weight and they are surprised that how come I've stopped working out, I'm eating healthy and I'm not doing any kind of exercise and I'm still losing weight because Heavy cardio and high intensity exercises, again, sends your body into a fight or flight response. Your body is already stressed. You don't want to stress it even more. Do something to relax your body. So it, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive. The more you work out here, the harder it's going to be to lose weight. But the less you work out and the more you sleep, the more you relax, the easier it is for your body to feel safe so that it can shed those excess kilos. So um, focus more on relaxing your body, do yoga, do um, walking. And after a few weeks of, you know, uh, making your body feel safe, add in strength training, because we need to build muscles uh, in order to balance blood sugar in the long run, because muscles burn glucose, they burn calories even at rest. So um, that is, the 
plan for the long run. So initially you have to relax, you have to make your body feel safe and then start adding uh, strength training instead of heavy cardio. So I think implementing all these tips together consistently for at least three months, you're going to see wonderful results. You basically just explained my entire life. Um, <laughs> I do lift day, I do lift weight six days a week. Um, my cardio is two of those days. I do about 10 to 15 minutes of uh, intensive uh, running to train my cardiovascular system. That's just, that's really just about it as far as my cardio, or if I'm training for something specific, I would do more cardio, like a marathon or something. So I'll train specifically for that, but I definitely agree. Um, and I, I want to really tie that part in as a trainer because, and I tell people this all the time, cause you hit it right on the nose that if you're, if your body already stressed and you brought this up, you're already in a fight or flight mode and you go out there and you're just running, 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 or you're rowing and swimming or whatever you're doing, you're, you're, you're creating more inflammation when your body's already not good at responding to inflammation so that's why taking one of the reasons why taking a step back will help also if you are carb addicted which is basically most of us right when you're in that zone three zone four a lot or that stress response consistently that promotes high cortisol and high adrenaline which leads to your body craving more sugars on top of having bad bacteria so then you're going to want more carbs it's going to make it's going to cause you to crave more carbs so taking that step back and doing more relaxing activities, yoga is a great workout and it is a workout, especially if you're done with a professional, but also promotes fat loss and fat oxidation because that's a lower zone workout. You're not doing yoga and doing backflips and stuff like that at the same time unless you're at a level that I've never heard of. So, you know, it's really true, like taking a step back and looking what you're doing, looking at what you're doing. And then eventually you do want to add more some high intensity into your life. Once your body yeah. gets better, because cardio trains your cardiovascular system. That's why it's called cardio. Right? And that's Absolutely. important for your you, heart you rate. You need so the so combination of all, all of these workouts in the long run. I agree. Exactly. Exactly. But you, you're so right about taking that step back in the beginning. And that's why it's important to work with an expert to understand. And even when you purchase Lumen, I've had people in the group saying to me, I feel just last week, they said to me, I feel so much better since my heart rate's been steady in my workouts. And I'm like, yeah, because you've been in training in high intensity for so long, you were never losing weight, but now your heart rate is steady. You're you're losing weight and you even feel the difference of it because you're promoting fat oxidation. I have someone coming on the show in, uh, I just want to say in a week or two, I'll call him Cap. I'll we'll talk about it more in the, he's from India as well, by the way. Okay. And he uh, his A1C went from 6.5 to 4.5. You wow. know how crazy that is, right? That that doesn't happen without medicine, That's by the way. Amazing. Yeah. You, you know what he does? He takes 35,000 steps a day. Now, that's a lot of steps. I'm not saying everybody's going to take that. I don't take 35,000. I'm around 10 to 12. But he was determined to do that. And he was constantly every hour when he's doing meetings, when he's talking, he was always doing the steps. And he kind of built his way up to that 35,000. But and he never really lifted weights. Of course, he changed his nutrition. We're going to talk about all the other changes he made. But taking so steps, walking that we talk about a day, completely transformed his life. And he's adding back stuff into his life now as far as strength training and cardio and different stuff like that. But I just want to drive home that how important it can be, how important it can be if you just make small changes and especially shifting your body into that parasympathetic state. Absolutely. And if you do want to add cardio, do it gradually. Like I love the zone two trainings, you know, wherein you do some cardio where you can continue breathing through your nose and you don't have to go into breathing through your mouth. So you know that you're still uh, playing in the fat loss, fat burn zone, but you're not really going to the high intensity cardio zone. So the zone two training works really well. And that's something I used to do when I was, I was not obese. Um, I had what we call a skinny body fat. Um, and that was one of the things that really helped me in my journey. Absolutely. And this episode is longer than I was even anticipating, but there was just so much golden nuggets or so many golden nuggets in this episode that we just had to keep it going so thank you so much for being here and with that being said Pratima let my family my family I should say you know what it is my family let my family know out there how can they get in touch with you or learn more about your work 
So there are two ways. I am on Instagram, uh, Pratima under, underscore Nagaraj. That's my handle. And uh, my website, which is pratimanagaraj.com. Easy peasy. <laughs> easy peasy. And even easier peasier, if that's a thing. The uh, Her contact information will be in the show notes. And of course, the show notes will be in the description of the podcast. But I, the show notes I'm planning are going to be zikail.com slash Pratima Nagaraj. So... Um, so that make it nice and simple for you. But again, you can click on the uh, show notes in the episode and get to it as well. And with that being said, we're out for the day. And Pratima, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast chatting with you. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.